Praise God. Well, before we begin, uh, I just want to say a few words. That last song we sung, It Is Well With My Soul, the original song, anybody know the story behind the original song, It Is Well With My Soul? There was a doctor who lived in Chicago, and the great fire of Chicago burned down all of his uh, belongings and possessions, but he had enough money left over. He sent his wife and three daughters on a ship to go vacation in Europe while he was recovering, and uh, he gets a telegram. The ship sank, and his three daughters were lost at sea, but his wife survived. She sent the telegram. So he got on another ship, and on the way over there, he somehow found out that where he was on the ship, where the ship was, is the area where the ship sank and his daughters were lost. And he walked out on the deck of the ship, and God spoke to him. And that's where he got that song from, that God comforted him in the midst of his problems and trials. Anybody have any problems and trials this last year? Anybody watch the news and see all the problems going on? Hallelujah. We can still say in the midst of all of that nonsense and garbage that's going on, the enemy is after us. Hallelujah. But we are victorious. We have the full armor of God. We have God in us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen. Praise God. So, hallelujah, we're getting into a new year. Praise God. With that, we're going to continue our study. We're going through the book of Acts verse by verse, and this morning we're up to chapter 2, verse 42. The day of Pentecost has just occurred, and uh, Peter has uh, uh, preached his sermon, and the uh, over 3,000 people get saved that day. Praise God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your precious words that we can look into and study and read that had become embedded within us, God, that we would learn this morning what you want us to learn in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Praise God. So notice, remember, that what, what the word that described the Jews, the men the, from all over the known parts of the world that were there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, it said that they were devout men. And so, as a result of getting saved, these devout men... Their families devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The first thing I want you to take a notice of is this word here. You're going to see this word a bunch of times this morning throughout this passages and in other words it wasn't just the end of the story it continued amen it didn't stop with just the day of pentecost but it continued devoted themselves this uh in the king james it says they continued steadfastly in the new king james another version says they were persevering Hallelujah. It's the same word in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They were constantly diligent, is what Strong's Concordance uh, says about it. It's as a continuation. They adhered or they glued themselves, in other words, to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Three things they did. 
they continued or they, they glued themselves to the apostles' teaching and doctrine and fellowship. They continued in the breaking of bread, and they continued in worship and prayer. So let's look at this. <clears throat> Pardon me, these. <laughs> Can't really see too well with and without them, but anyway. All right, praise God. What does Romans chapter 10, verse 17 say? It's a good verse to memorize. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Amen. That's how you build faith, through the word of God. Hallelujah. In the Amplified Bible, it says, They steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves constantly to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles. The New American Bible calls it, or it says that they, they adhered to communal life. Now, <laughs> this is not the same as communism. Communism as a form of government, you're forced to give everything to everybody else. This, and we'll see later on in the scripture this morning, this was something that came out of their hearts. They willingly gave themselves, devoted themselves. They willingly glued themselves together. Does anybody ever hear of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? He was a theologian in Nazi Germany who was actually hung by the Nazis for his uh, part in uh, trying to overthrow the Nazis. But he wrote a book, which I still have to get yet, it's highly recommended, called Life Together. It's about living the Christian life as part of a community or group. Amen. <laughs> Matthew Henry's uh, commentary, he says that uh, the, uh, the Christians uh, um, in this verse, in this chapter that they're talking about, he calls them birds of a feather. Amen. Birds of a feather flock together. So they, they, they enjoyed each other's company. Amen. Which is a nice thing to have in a community. They not only uh, did they persevere in this living together and following the teachings of the apostles, the instructions. So they had three things, instruction, community, and worship. And then the second one, the community, which is Dietrich Bonhoeffer's uh, book, Life Together, it uses the phrase here, breaking of bread. This literally means eating Meals together. Uh, we're going to have um, <laughs> uh, bring and share this afternoon at Jan's house. No, oh, usually on the last Sunday of the month, we have a bring and share at Jan's house. So uh, we can cry a bunch of rivers of tears for it this time. But next month, we will have on the last Sunday of the month, we will break bread together at Jan's house. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Now, not only were they just eating meals together, but this also entails they were sharing communion together, remembrance of the Lord's death and burial and resurrection. Hallelujah. They also were committed and glued to prayers. Prayer, many uh, theologians say, is the... Uh, the foundation, so to speak, or the, the entryway into the kingdom of heaven, 
When we pray, we're supposed to be communicating with God, not just telling God and speaking to God. God's supposed to speak to us too when we pray, amen? Amen? Yes, God's supposed to speak to us. It's supposed to be a two-way conversation. Is it always? Hardly ever, from my experience. But the Bible says in the book of Psalms to pour out your complaint before God. Most people do not like to deal with complainers. Amen? There's the, some businesses have a complaint department. Sometimes they'll just put a box and you know, it'll be the suggestion box so you can write your complaint and put it in there anonymously. Other times, you have customer service when people come and complain to customer service. Sometimes, complainers get carried away. And you don't want to deal with them. But thank God we have such a gracious God. He doesn't, you can come and complain to God anytime you want. Amen? And God will graciously receive you. And maybe, just maybe, if you're paying attention, God will, you know, kind of correct you. Amen? That's a good thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And prayers. They gathered together with God. This is joint fellowship. James chapter 5, verse 16, the second half of the verse says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Prayer is important. There's a phrase among theologians that God does nothing except an answer to prayer. The Bible says in the Old Testament that God looked for a man to stand in the gap before me, he says, and I found no one. What a sad situation that would be if there was no one praying. God, have mercy on people. God, don't send disaster. Don't let them fall, God. Don't let them stumble into disaster, God. Save souls, God. That should be our prayer. God, save souls, God. Touch lives and hearts, God. Hallelujah. In the Jewish annotated New Testament, it translates Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, these words. It says, truly, Jesus said, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, Jesus says, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. In verse 24, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Isn't that good news? That God actually wants to live with us. People, <laughs> you know, if you look at people on the face value, uh, you know, some people are good, some people are not so good, and some people are downright nasty. But God wants to have fellowship with all of us. God wants to have relationship with every single human being on the planet Earth. I read the other day that uh, about this time of year, uh, because of population growth, there are now uh, estimated to be 8 billion people on planet Earth. Eight, that's a lot of people. I was watching a video the other day of a, a, a gentleman who was able to go into communist China and meet with some Christian pastors. And he said the, uh, the Chinese uh, pastors, uh, there was like 12 of them, he said. And, uh, and they, they, he said, well, how many people do you guys minister to? And they figured it out. Well, these 12 pastors 
oversee uh, ministering to about 20 million people, just those 12. And he said, you know what? The Chinese, uh, one of the Chinese pastors said to him, oh, I pray that, that the church in China would be like the church in America, where you can meet freely. He says, no, no, no. We need to pray that the church in America is like the church in China. He says, some of you pastors travel 13 hours by train to get here and meet with us. Some of you pastors have already spent time in prison for preaching the gospel and ministering the gospel. He says that, uh, you know, people in America, if the pews aren't padded, they won't come to church. And you people, you Chinese people, you sat on a concrete floor. And you didn't care about it. And, it's, and, it's, and there's no air conditioning. He says, in America, if people come to the church, there's no air conditioning. They'll leave. They'll never come back. He says, oh, I wish that the church in America would be dedicated like the church in China. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I love this. All throughout the scriptures is, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And, and there it is again, many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Hallelujah. Awe, fear came upon every soul. The Amplified Bible calls it a sense of awe. A reverential fear. We know the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's not necessarily that you're, you're frightened of God, but that you respect God. Amen? And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Wonders. The, the, um, the definition of wonders is miracles that inspire awe. The definition of signs is a seal. This is the Greek word that means a seal applied to guarantee authenticity. Rick Renner, the uh, uh, Bible scholar, Greek scholar, he says that this, this word signs literally means God's signature. It's a, like, like a contract, a legal document. Sign here. Okay, we got your signature. We can go ahead and do Hallelujah, what we're supposed to do. Because Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, These signs shall follow them that believe. And what this literally means is these will be your traveling companions. These things are supposed to be active in our lives. We'll cast out devils. Cast them out of yourself first, amen? <laughs> Praise God, they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And I don't believe that it means that we're supposed to go find poisonous snakes and try and, you know, test God and say, oh, see if I can get bit. Remember Paul the Apostle, he's on the island there, I think it was Crete or wherever it was, they're shipwrecked, they make it to land, and it's raining, and they make a fire, and he gets some sticks. Uh, the Bible says he throws the sticks in, and the snake is stuck on his hand. So he throws the snake in the fire. <laughs> and it says, and this is in the book of Acts, it says, and, and all the, the native people are looking and saying, you know, because they know that the Roman soldiers just don't bring uh, these people for a vacation. These were prisoners. And they knew Paul was one of the prisoners. And the Bible says that, that, that all the people are watching. Man, this guy, he must be a bad guy. You know, he, he didn't get drowned in the sea, so the gods must have had mercy on him. But now, oh, he got bit by this poisonous snake. 
And they said that they expected him to swell up and die and, and uh, get his just reward, you know. He must be some sort of criminal. So the, the, the gods got him with the snake because the sea didn't drown him. And they watch and watch and nothing happens. <laughs> and then, oh, he must be a god, they thought. God, people are so funny sometimes the way they think. But anyway, so they, long story short, they get the gospel. However, let's continue that the signs, if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And I don't believe that we're supposed to go around testing God drinking deadly poison. I believe this would be an accidental thing. Or maybe some people would do a sinister deed and try and hurt us. But God promises protection. And my favorite one, <clears throat> excuse me, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So it doesn't say, doesn't say what these signs and wonders were. It just says they were being done by the apostles. Hallelujah. Let's go on. I <clears throat> hope my voice holds out. Pardon me. Let me get some water. Ah, praise God. <laughs> I love preaching. Remember that movie, Chariots of Fire, Eric Little, and this was a true story. Eric Little says, when I run, God made me fast. And when I run, he says, I feel God's pleasure. Hallelujah. When I preach, I feel God's pleasure. Hallelujah. These signs and all who believe, there's that word again. I love this all throughout here. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Amen. This is voluntary communism, not forced <coughs> communism. <laughs> Hallelujah. They were together often and Hallelujah. The Jewish New, New Jewish Annotated New Testament has a note about this verse. It says communal ownership existed among the Jewish community at Qumran. Anybody know or remember what Qumran was? It was the Essenes. These, these were kind of like monks, but it was a community where they lived together. Anybody heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? That's where they were at Qumran. So it was highly valued also among philosophers such as Aristotle and Cicero. Uh, this Jewish New Testament, annotated New Testament that I have at home, you will not believe how many ancient manuscripts there are that are semi-biblical, but they're not, they're not in, they're, they're not considered inspired by the Holy Spirit. There is a gospel according to Thomas. Did you know that? There's gospels according to a whole bunch of other people, but, but they're not in the canon of Scripture because they were not deemed or inspired by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the community of goods was an outward expression of melting down of all selfishness and a glowing realization of Christian unity. Praise God. What is that? Let me read that again. The community of goods, people selling their stuff and giving it, 
was an outward expression of the melting down of all self-interest. Men, how many know self-interest is not the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Interest and concern and care for others is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not alone. Hallelujah. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to anyone who had need. Now, <laughs> a lot of people think that, uh, you know, just because they want something, it's a need. But there's a big difference between wants and needs. Can you say amen? We need air. We need water. We need food. We need clothing and shelter. And, and transportation is nice to have. But you don't need a computer, really, to live. Did you know that? You don't need a cell phone to live, either. Did you know that? Praise God. But I digress. Dake's commentary says, Many thousands of people were cared for without charge at the feasts. There were seven feasts of the Lord, that, and I believe three of them. Every male was supposed to come to Jerusalem once a year uh, with a, something to give to God. And many thousands of people came to these feasts. The community of goods was no strange thing. So this is not a, an unusual thing that they were doing. This is not something new. They had been doing this all along. The community of goods was no strange thing among the Jews, but it was carried further here than at a feast. This was only temporary during the revival and was not a permanent practice of the church at Jerusalem or anywhere else. And we know that because in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1, and 2 Corinthians chapters 8 through 9, it proves that collections were done for the poor and not for the church. So while this was an extension of what was going on already, it was not permanent. Praise God. Notice in Matthew chapter 19, Luke chapter 18, and Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, remember, and he says, Lord, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, uh, keep the commandments. Oh, I've kept them all since my youth. And the Bible says Jesus looked at him with love, and he said, you're lacking one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And the Bible says the rich young man turned away sorrowful because he was not willing to give everything away. And Jesus is not telling us, oh, just give everything away. You don't, you don't need anything. You just give everything away. He's telling us, where are your priorities? Where's, what's the most important thing in your life? should be your relationship with Jesus. Can you say amen? Praise God. Well, let's go on. Verse 46. Here's that word again, and. <laughs> I love it. Day by day, every day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Praise God. God multiplied. God began to add. Everyone recognized. Everyone who was added to the church who were being saved, those who were being saved are everyone 
who recognized and believed that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. Every day they attended the temple, as Jews do in those days, breaking bread in their homes. A meal received, they had a meal, and they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Here, you have this piece of, I remember hearing uh, in the colonial days here in the, in the United States, before it was the United States, there was a, uh, uh, a habit or a custom among um, well-to-do people that uh, if you, you, let's say you bought a, a, a piece of cheese, a wheel of cheese, and you cut some out, oh, man, this is delicious, and you would send a large portion of that to your friends. Oh, you, have, you wanted to share it with somebody or whatever other delicacies you would have. The, you, people had a generous heart. They wanted to share. <clears throat> they all praised God, and they all had favor. Why would they have favor? Because when Jesus touches your life and comes into your heart, you and I become a changed person. And our demeanor, our character, should be reflective of Jesus' love and mercy. And we should be loving people. That will give you favor if you love people. Amen? Praise God. Those uh, in the Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary, they quote a, a Bible scholar named Olhausen. <clears throat> they regarded themselves as a family. I remember my <clears throat> when we first started the church, we started the church in Pastor Wayne's house, Pastor Wayne and Michelle's house, and had it specifically built with a long living room and a kitchen at this end so we could have church in the house, set up chairs. And I remember I took my uh, one of my grandsons when he was little and uh, when we got back to his house and I handed him off to his parents he, Raphael said oh I was awesome I was cool it was like a family <laughs> even though there was people not even related to him there but it was family amen and that's what we're supposed to be like hallelujah let's go on because this is the exciting part Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, a notable, of all the signs and wonders and miracles, this is the only one that is um, expounded upon because this one had some tremendous effects. Now, Peter and John, notice, remember, who's Peter's brother? Andrew. Peter and Andrew are brothers. And who's John's brother? James. Notice, Now Peter and John are buddies. Who knows where James and and Andrew are at this time? But Peter and John, remember, John was Jesus' favorite. Amen? Praise God. So Peter, he's been restored after denying Jesus. Now he's buddies with John. And they're going up to the temple. Let's go pray. The hour of prayer. I found a note in uh, one of my... um, Bible studies that, or one of my commentaries, that there were actually three hours of prayer that the Jews had. The first was at 9 a.m., the second was at noon, and the third was at 3 p.m. as they're going up. And supposedly Abraham instituted the 9 a.m. prayer, and supposedly Isaac instituted the noon prayer, and Jacob the 3 p.m. prayer. You recall, 
Many signs and wonders were done, but this one is really awesome. Praise God. In Exodus chapter 29, verse 39, every morning and every night they were supposed to sacrifice a lamb. So this actually, this hour of prayer, the ninth hour, 3 p.m., is the time of the evening offering. I love that God gets involved in the offering. Amen? Get excited when we give in our offering. God gets involved. I love that story in uh, the book of Kings where Elijah, he says, okay, you prophets of Baal, you guys do your thing, and we'll do our thing. And whichever God answers by fire, that's the real God. And you know the story, the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves, jumping around, and, and Elijah goes, hey, um, maybe your God is asleep. Yell louder. So they yell out, oh, maybe he's going to the bathroom. <laughs> and he mocks them. Praise God. And then he says, it's the time of the evening sacrifice. And he calls on God, and God answers by fire. And the Bible says, fire comes out of heaven, burns the offering, burns the rocks, burns and dries up all the water. And the Israelites, they say, oh, God is God. That's the God we serve. He's powerful. And so they're going up, the time of prayer, and a man, lame from birth, was being carried. You know, this is interesting. The commentary says he's lame. He's born that way. <clears throat> well, guess what? He needs to be born again, and this is his day. Hallelujah. He was being carried. And uh, one scripture says that he's already there at the, uh, the gate of the temple, which is called the beautiful gate. When I was in the South Pacific, Traveling with my friend, he was uh, partially paralyzed uh, from the chest down. He couldn't walk on his own. We had to use canes. We were on a little freight freight ship, maybe 120 feet, and he wanted to get off the boat. But it wasn't easy because somebody had to carry him from the ship to the rowboat to the shore. And so one of the big Tahitian guys puts his arms around, and he's holding on. And this is the picture I get. This guy was carried. It doesn't say that he was on a bed, <clears throat> excuse me, like in John chapter 5, where the guy gets healed, and he picks up his bed, and he walks through the temple, <clears throat> and it's a Sabbath day, and he, he gets arrested <clears throat> and gets in trouble. This man was carried, and he's laid there, and he's asking alms. Alms, I looked it up. It's kindness, favor, compassionateness as exercised towards the poor. According to Strong's Dictionary, it could be translated beneficence, which is a Latin word that means to be generous. It could mean benefaction, which also comes from Latin, which means to do well. And this is the gate, if you know anything about the temple of Herod, this is the gate that faces east. And there's some steps that go up, and they come into an inner courtyard, and he's outside. And every day they put this guy here, and he begs for money. When I was in the Fiji Islands, I'll never forget this site. We went, drove into the inner uh, 
area, interior of the, the big island to go to a wedding. And I remember in this town, there's a big round fountain in the town and half of the population in Fiji are Indians from India. And they're Hindus and some are Muslims. And I'll never forget, there's a woman sitting there and obviously she was a Hindu woman. And I'll never forget this because instead of looking and asking people for money, she sat there with her head down and her hand up because those people believe in curses. And obviously, they, this woman, I could, you could almost sense that she felt that the oppression of the enemy upon her soul, that she was cursed, and all she could do was stand sit there with her hand up. But this man, he had a bit of a boldness. He would ask people, because no, there was no Social Security, no Medicare back then. He had no one. He did not have a way to make a living, except for have somebody carry him to the gate and sit there and ask people, hey. And it's not like <laughs> some homeless guy, hey, man, you got a quarter? No, no. He was, had a legitimate purpose there. And he asks alms of those entering the temple, and he sees Peter and John about to go into the temple. He asked, hey, guys, can you spare some money? He had an infirmary. Remember the, the, uh, in John chapter 5, there was a guy there. He'd been sick for 38 years, and Jesus heals him. In chapter 2, or chapter 40, chapter 4, verse 32, 22, this man was over 40 years old. Can you imagine having every day somebody drag you over to the temple for 40 plus years? That's a long time. Benevolence, a subjective disposition of mind that results in beneficence or the doing of good deeds. Kindness is similar, but has more of a sympathy, consideration for others, and is manifested in particular actions. Charity is often an individual or small-scale almsgiving, the giving of time and money for the care of the poor, the needy, or the destitute. This man asked, will you please help me? Glory to God. A miracle happens. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. They focused. Anybody ever been so focused that you never see anything around you? It's just like, wow. Concentrating on this one thing. Here's Peter and John. They both look at the guy. Hey. And so, he says, look at us. And so the guy looks, expecting to receive something from them. He's, he's waiting for them to give him some money. And, but he has an expectation. He has a hope. Praise God. He asked for money, and he receives a cure. Hallelujah. All the money. Notice, Peter and John, they don't have any money with them. In spite of all the people that had earlier sold their stuff and, and given it to the apostles, Peter and John, they were two of the apostles. They didn't have any of that money in their pockets because it didn't go to the church. It went to the poor. And so Peter says, I don't have no money. <laughs> I got something better. 
have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He's not making fun of the guy. I know you can't walk. Just get up and walk. No, he makes an effort. Peter does something. He helps the guy. He says it takes him by the right hand and picks him up. This guy, anybody ever see anybody who was had no function? When I was in the Fiji Islands, my friend and I went to visit the crippled children's hospital. And I remember this one little boy. Actually, he wasn't that little. He was a pretty good-sized kid. He was on a cart, and his legs didn't work, and he rolled himself, and his legs, his feet were like rubber. This is this guy. His feet like rubber. He raised him up, and immediately, not two days later, immediately, his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood. First thing he did is leaps up. Yeah. <laughs> I get this picture, you know, you see people at the sporting events or sitting in and watching, and then the, the, somebody scores a goal and they leap up. Whoa! This is what I can picture in my mind, this guy. He feels the strength come into his feet and his ankles, and he leaps up, and he stands. Whoa! Look, can you imagine the look of surprise on his face? Whoa! the power that he felt in his legs, his feet, his ankles. I never had this before. Whoa! And he stood, and he begins to walk. I never walked before. Whoa! And then he leaps and praises God. Wow! Picture this in your mind. This man had never walked for more than 40 years, and he he stands, he leaps up. Wow! Whoa! And I don't think he was unsteady on his feet because it says he stood and began to walk. Hallelujah! <laughs> Praise God! Look at this! Woo-hoo-hoo! I bet he was excited. <laughs> I could just pick and you picture that man! Woo-hoo-hoo! I never did this before. (laughs) Man, praise God. Hallelujah. What does Peter say? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this man who had been there for over 40 years, I'm sure he had heard about Jesus of Nazareth before. This, this, This is power of attorney. This is the Greek word exousia, delegated authority and liberty to exercise the full power of eternity in all of God's interest. This is complete authority to act in God's stead as if God himself were here Doing the work, Peter and John had walked and talked with Jesus for three years, and they knew who Jesus was, and they saw him do miracles, and they knew Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. And this Jesus, you can't see him, but he's here. And in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Hallelujah. Christ's power is unlimited in doing the will and works of God on earth. 
In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he has power now, all authority, Jesus said, in heaven and on earth has been given to him, and he gives it to us. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 9, verse 8. He had just uh, healed the insane man by letting the pigs uh, receive the demons and the pigs go into the, uh, the ocean and the drown and the lake. And instead of saying, man, that was an awesome miracle, Jesus, can you do more? The Bible says that the people asked Jesus to leave. That blows my mind. So he goes back to Capernaum. Hallelujah. And it says that they bring the man on a bed. He's paralyzed. And Jesus heals him. It says your sins are forgiven. And the multitude saw it. They marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. Saints, you and I have that power. We have that authority. You and I can lay hands on the sick and believe God. God, put your hand on my hand and heal this person. And God will do it. Hallelujah. Took him by the right hand. He invites Jesus' authority. Peter doesn't tease the guy. He says, perfectly sober and sound in his mind. Rise up and walk. Hallelujah. I love it. Peter lent a hand. He didn't just say, give him lip service. Dr. Luke, who wrote the Acts, he observes that the man received strength in his feet and ankles. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them. He just didn't say, oh, man, thanks, Peter. Thanks, John. See you. No, he went into the temple to worship and praise God for what had happened to him. Hallelujah. Praising God. Hallelujah. And we'll end with this. And every Almost every sentence has the word and in it in this passages. It's a continuation. It just doesn't end. Hallelujah. All the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They recognized that's the guy. What? What? what he, he can't do that. Yeah, boy, he is. Praise God. <laughs> Jameson Fawcett and Brown's commentary said, calls this the utmost publicity. They didn't have to advertise. There's a, uh, uh, a, a phrase uh, that somebody told me that the, uh, he was talking about. Actually, it was a pastor who was talking about you know, advertising and getting the word out. And he says uh, there was a company that, a sign company, it said, a business without a sign is a sign of no business. You have to advertise. And so they didn't have advertising in that day, so it had to be word of mouth. All the people saw him. The utmost publicity. 
It's a good thing when God does something and touches somebody's life, and that person says, you know what? Jesus touched me. You know what? Jesus set me free from drugs and alcohol. Hallelujah. Jesus took me from my loneliness and planted me in a family. Hallelujah. All the people saw him, and they recognized him. That's the guy that, wow. They were amazed. And this word amazement in the Greek is ecstasis, where we get the word ecstasy from. And it comes from two Greek words, ek, which means out of, and stasis, a standing. Vine's commentary, or Vine's dictionary says that the people were thrown into a state of surprise. That's the guy. And wonder, astonishment. Astonishment literally means to stun. It comes from a Latin word, two Latin words, ex and tonare, which means out, to thunder out. So this was a experience, not only for the man that was healed, not only for Peter and John, but this was an experience for the people to see God is real. Amen? God is real. He really is. No matter what the atheists say, no matter what anybody says, God is real. Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus has fulfilled prophecies. Anybody who denies it is too lazy to look for the truth. Hallelujah. The truth sets us free. Praise God. They were amazed. Are you amazed at God and what he's doing in the earth? Isn't it, there, doesn't it amaze you that the little tiny nation of Israel is the focus of so much attention? Why? Why would that little tiny nation be so, so problematic for the whole earth? Why would the United Nations, uh, 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 you know, <clears throat> I forget how many times they've, they've sanctioned or whatever it is they do in the United Nations against Israel. Why, why do college students in this country chant from the river to the sea? They have no idea what they're talking about. Why is the elimination of Israel so important to so many people? Because Israel is still God's chosen people. Because I believe that Israel and the Jewish people, the Bible says, salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is of the Jews. We're grafted in, you and I. We're privileged to be part of the family of God. It's because of Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, came to earth fulfilled the prophecies, and is going to fulfill more. He's going to come back. Some Jewish people say, oh, no, 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 he, that wasn't the Messiah. This is our Messiah here. Because they're not looking for a spiritual kingdom. They're looking for an earthly kingdom. Hallelujah. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my words will not pass away. Hallelujah. He's coming back. And I hope you all are ready.